to The Megan Walrod Show. I'm your host, and I am delighted to bring to you season two, Brave Women, Brave Living. You are in for some juicy, inspiring conversations. So dive in, enjoy, then afterwards, come on and continue the conversations in our private Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's go already. Hello, Burn. <laughs> so good to be here. <laughs> so happy to have you here. Oh my gosh. For our listeners, you are in for a treat. I'm joined today by the fabulous badass Bernadette Pleasant. And before I read a little bit more of like the official bio, I just want to say that from the very, we met end of 2020. Yes. And from, as you know, the season is dedicated to brave women, brave living. And from the very beginning of one of our first encounters, conversations, your huge smile, your huge (laughs) heart, your willingness to be the range of, of emotions, of the all of full expression. Like it was so you be that you embody that. And I know it's been a journey and just whether it's, and from the, like, and we're, and it's beyond like the, the anger and the rage and the joy and the bliss and the ecstasy. It's the grief. It's the sexy, it's the sensuality. So I'm so thank you for being a yes to this conversation and just you inspire me with what's possible with embodiment range expression. Cause we're here to be it all. Aren't we like, we are here to be it all in anyone. I know your listeners know this about you, you and I met and it was like, Oh wow. And it was, it was awesome. Talk about iron sharpens iron. And, and it was, give me more, give me more. And I love that energy. So it's been a pleasure and a ride ever since coming to know each other. Thank you. Iron sharpens iron. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can feel that. Yes. Oh, (laughs) this was an easy. Yes. This was an easy. Yes. All yeses aren't easy. This was, this was an easy. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. I'm freaking delighted. And so let me, for those folks who may not yet be familiar with who you are and your awesomeness, let me read about Bernadette. So spirited and energetic. Hell yeah. Bernadette Pleasant is a fiery and sensual speaker, somatic healer, and founder of the Emotional Institute and creator of FEM, a mind-body wellness program, and for 100 years, a somatic-based anti-racism program. She's known for channeling her personal journeys and radical empathy into transformative, immersive experiences that support and celebrate people of all genders, colors, ages, and sizes. She has transformed the lives of thousands of people around the world, inspiring them to become more self-expressed and empowered as their own badass selves. Yes. She's, she's certified in emotion-centered coaching, somatic healing, integrated energy therapy, and studies in African tribal and free dance. She's all about emotional freedom, freedom, (laughs) emotional freedom through movement and empowerment. And she facilitates deep and refreshingly real dialogues on emotional healing, grief, and unlearning racism. So powerful. So a woman of color 
Bernadette comes from a long line of natural healers who have used touch and movement to help others find peace and wellness. Her classrooms, both online and in person, welcome participants without judgment, supporting all to experience comfort and pleasure in their own skin. Mm. Oh, <sighs> welcome, Vern. I'll have some of that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the good news is you are all of that. <laughs> well, we, we mentioned a few things, but I did. <laughs> we, we did. We did. So we had to wheedle it down. <laughs> there's so many, many avenues, areas I want to explore with you. And, and I want to begin with something that I imagine a lot of listeners can relate to when it comes to the social conditioning of a child. And let me back up for a moment. Like here you are founder of the emotional Institute, like supporting people around the world to express their emotions. And yet there was a time when you were a child, when you felt emotionally and physically shut down, I know we've had conversations and you've written about this and talked about this. And from that social conditioning of good girls, don't do that and stop it, or you'll bring unwanted attention. And can you talk with us about what that experience was like as a child for you? Like, again, such common messaging. And yet, what was that like? Thanks for asking. I love to go on the journey of how it was and how it continues to be. It's not like, you know, it doesn't happen anymore. It's just now I have tools. Now I have things I can do about it. Now I know to do something about it. But then I just found myself getting smaller and smaller because of other people's values or what mattered to them or their the lens they saw things through, restrictions that mattered to them. You know, from what I wore to how my hair was to, you know, what was appropriate in terms of dance and movement, how... I be in my body was greatly determined by others and religion and all of these things. And I found myself and, and, you know, it just felt like lopping off and lopping off. Mm -hmm. And I started to get really resentful because this was not my voice. This was not what I wanted. No one asked, no one asked. I was just told what to do. And this It started as a child, I mean, a a young child. And then as I moved into my teenage years and then early adulthood, it was still there because I was still in the same environments. And it was so restrictive and frustrating. And at least for me, I got to a point where I knew this wasn't okay. I knew Mm. not having my voice and my say-so over my being wasn't okay. Don't tell me where my skirt length needs to be. Mm. I like it there. You know, my hair, my gosh, do you know when I, you know, being told that Christian women wore adorned hair, well, I like really short hairstyles. What about my taste? It, It was almost as if there was some book to follow based on some group. My family was Jehovah's Witnesses. And I needed to follow this. And and I, I felt like I just didn't fit. I didn't fit because I didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. trying to fit. And, try, and trying to fit, I was cutting off parts of myself. And that felt awful. And it, it simply got to a point where I just decided 
it would be, I knew it would be like this for the rest of my life, or I could do something really different and say no, Mm -hmm. which meant being stepped out, thrown out, (laughs) kicked out, you name it. And it happened. And while it was very painful, through the pain, I found this, this, this joy and freedom. And I started to take back my power. And those things that were lopped off, I, I could bring them back with so much compassion and understanding and trying to figure out what do we need and what can we do? And, and it's okay. It's okay. Yes, you lost some friends and family. Yeah, you got a scarlet letter on your chest or whatever, but it was worth it for my freedom. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I created the work I do because of my own need to take up space and heal. Oh, and and I'm so we're totally going to get to that your body of work. And yet before we do, I just want to slow things down and go back a little bit into this, like growing up in that environment. You know, whether it was I didn't I wasn't raised in Jehovah Witness community, and yet these similar messages of who we're supposed to be as girls as this, as whatever it is, fill in the blank, right? There's the sense of, like you said, some guidebook rule book. This is what you're supposed to fit into. You don't fit into. And what, how would you describe your relationship with your body as a girl, you know, adolescent girl, having all these feelings, having all these hormones, being told certain things about how you're everything from how you're supposed to look to what's okay, not okay with expression. Like, how were you relating to this body? Well, early on, I can recall loving this body because I mean, I thought I was a shit. You know, I mean, seriously, <laughs> I mean, yes. And, uh, and and it was, I I was full on in in my own turn on for life yeah. and yeah. just vibrant. Yes, and then and and that was acceptable and okay in my younger years. And when I say younger years, I'm talking about like 10, under 10, Mm -hmm. before Mm preteen. And something changed in that sort of 12 to 13 uh, started, you know, as I started puberty, there was, and I get it, there there are fears that come in from from your parents and adults and and what have you. And that's where this female body to me started to be um, treated as if it were wrong. Mm. Not not that society's wrong. And people will say, oh, we do things for your protection. Yeah, but where's my voice in this? Where's my voice in this? And if we, so, so my relationship to my body changed as a result of, many things, but one thing in particular that I think greatly impacted it was there was abuse in my, in my household. There were, there was abuse in my household and I was molested as a child and in the household. And what that did sadly was it changed, uh, though that happened with my stepfather, it changed my relationship with my mother and understandably so, but it's so much so where with just a look, this wild dancing child that used to love to take up space, all of a sudden with just a look, I would question mm. whether it was too much. She never said, don't do it. But there was a way that I was, the eyes conveyed the story, don't, don't do that, or that's too much. 
you're you're drawing attention to yourself. So the things that I once liked to do mm-hmm. were now tempered. And so in that tempering, the things that I would love, and I keep speaking to dance because I love to dance. I did it all the time. But it was, I watched my hips literally stop taking up space. And, and the way I would move my body was now regulated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the expansion of arms and, and, and just this full thing that can happen when you feel free even my smile, everything started to be measured. Is it okay? Is it clamp it down? Who's watching? Da, da, da. And, and it affected the freedom that everyone has a right to, and that is to just enjoy themselves and do. And I, I didn't feel I could do, I could do that. That, and then being told about my hair and my my adornment garments and things like that. It was all by someone else's rule book that mm-hmm. I did not write. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it, I noticed that life became very measured, very um, dry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what happened. And so my, uh, there was a numbing effect in terms of how I felt with this body. Oh. I started to not really feel it. Yeah. It was like it, it belonged to somebody else. It really did. Oh, and 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 it did. It, it felt like that, didn't it? Because it's it like did. there's the the way of learning how to be with your body, sexuality, joy. Oh, yes, joy, enjoyment. I'm watching you as we're talking, and just the movement, the way you organically, innately move, and yet it was just the frozen, the restricted. And yeah. I I can perceive that the pain of that the. Ah, the ah of it, and the the mother's look, yeah, that says everything. That is judgment. That is, you know, don't you dare. That is, there's just like that straitjacket, like that sense of just like, and the, yeah, yeah. The mother's look. It also happened with people in the congregation, and and you know, so there were, you know, you didn't want to be that child, and and it's not that you. I was doing anything. It was just it, anything outside the lines anything outside the lines and i'm talking about inches of a of a skirt length or you know these things labeled you and those labels restricted yeah yeah and then there's the the shame of my body's wrong i must be wrong because i want this and everyone else seems to be okay going along with these rules but they're who are they and i also just want to acknowledge and thank you for the honesty about the what had occurred as far as the abuse in the household and the impact of that and that any kind of trauma abuse then feeds even more fire to the shame. And do you, can you speak to the shame of how that then like, yeah, the, well, shame, shame, just if, if, as if there's a weighted experience or, or a situation, uh, a challenge going on, shame, just, I mean, it just exponentially weights it down because now there's this questioning of how did I do wrong? Mm. It's not shame. What shame does is it takes anything that's a misstep or a mistake. And, and, and it says that where that mistake is wrong, it changes it to I'm wrong. 
I'm wrong. And so the weight is different and it's carried. And so um, when one feels that they're wrong and you, we all want to be liked and accepted and, and, but shame separates us because there is some way of being and you have gone against it. Yeah. And, and even if you don't feel that those rules were right for you, at least it was the community that I knew. Mm-hmm. It was the family that I knew. And this is not speak to all my family. This yeah. is to speak yeah. to somebody. I mean, and so this belonging isn't there. And then the shame of, you know, what happened to me or, or um, it, it's just this added burden that makes it harder to come out of and do the work. It is a, it, it is the quicksand. Totally. Yeah. It is just yeah. sucks you in and down. Yeah. It makes you want to, it, it actually causes you to want to get small. Yeah. 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 The, the energy, the word, the substance that I was perceiving is like the sense of cement and Brene Brown talks about how shame loves secrecy and the silence. Cause the shame is we don't want to be seen in that thing that happened that we know is going to be judged and must be wrong. Cause it's me and it's this body. And so, and then whenever there's any kind of abuse or even the social conditioning, it's like, there's one thing on the surface and what's really going on beneath the surface. So then there's this crazy making confusion of like, I'm perceiving this, but no one's talking about it. And so I guess I'm not supposed to talk about it and that's wrong and the shame. It's just a spiral. It is such a spiral. It's such a spiral. And I, I love that example you gave that uh, I think of those icebergs when you can see what's above yeah. that, the situation, but what's below it, it could be so much bigger. Yeah. And, 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 and therein lies a lot of opportunity to, to do the work, but that work, Oh my gosh, you got to do the surface and the below surface and like a cavity. Oh, <laughs> which sometimes like, leads to a root canal, which is exactly. not pleasant. However, that's however. how I feel like my life was it's like deep root canal. We're yeah. going in on all four, all so, four backwards. Oh God. So it can be so painful. And yet what was it like when I hear you say, you know, this was the family, this was the belonging, this was the community, this was the religion, like this was the world you knew for you to have gotten to the point of saying no enough. That takes a huge amount of brave. Like, how did you source that? Like, where did that, what was that like for you leading? I, and I know it's not necessarily always one moment in time. Right. That's like, yeah. this is it. There's several, but I'm just curious, like how, where, what was that that inspired, empowered you to be like, all right, enough? You know, I, it, I know it wasn't one thing and I didn't even know I had it. <laughs> uh, I knew I wanted it. I knew I wished I could. And, you know, I think of the kind of restricted way of being that I had as a child led me to doing some things. I just want to paint another picture. You know, at 16, I was given a ultimatum. And that was because I had a boyfriend to marry him or stop seeing him. So angry Torian uh, teenager that I was, I 
I, and I was just, I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll, I'll get married because mm. I just wasn't going to be controlled. And I knew that was not what was expected. It's really a terrible decision, but nevertheless, there I was 17 years old, still in high school, and I married. He was, I can't, you can't make a decision at this age, it, or I couldn't anyway. I'm sure there's somebody out there who could figure it out, but it wasn't me. So I was running. I was running from what I didn't want, where I didn't want to be, into this marriage. Now, I was married to someone who was in this religion, and we get married at such a young age. But a few years later, I, I've now just traded. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he's, yeah, the mindset it was the same in terms of this religion rules all, and we live and abide by it. And I can recall having some conversations with my then husband and saying, you know, I don't always agree with these things. Uh, what do you think? And and he was very versed in the Bible. So mm. it was like, well, it says this. And I'm thinking, well, I, I get that. But like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And he, he lived by this. Mm. I didn't. I had some opinions. At least let's have a conversation about yeah. them. And there was no room for it. So it was this kind of restriction that was really infuriating to me because I always felt that our opinions matter. Our our thoughts matter. Mm-hmm. We should at least be able to air them and discuss them. Yeah. And there, was, there wasn't room for this. There was right and wrong. And so I, it, it was in that kind of squeeze where I realized this wasn't for me. And my, I recall the day I left my marriage. It wasn't like I had a grand plan. It was just, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I knew it would mean leaving my house, leaving. And, I, and that would lead to me being disfellowship from the congregation that would sever relationship with family. That was, this was a big deal. Huge. Yeah. I just knew I couldn't. I couldn't do this anymore. It wasn't for me. I'm sure it's for someone and it's great for them. I just decided, no, I, there was no other way. There would be no middle ground. And so I chose me. I chose me. And I mean, taking a bet on me when I didn't control the finances or, or even my own finances that yeah. I was bringing in, they, everything was being, this was like walking out on a wish, prayer, dream, hope, whatever we want to call it. But I just knew all I knew in those moments, I can't stay here. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. And, and was, so yeah. I'd like to think, well, I'd like to think, I believe strength that my ancestors had, people that did what they needed to do for survival and for freedom, not just survival, because I was surviving. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. Yeah. I didn't want that. I wanted to spread my wings. I wanted to dance. I wanted to use my mind, my voice, all yeah. of this energy. I, I decided, no, I need all my parts yeah. and a microphone. And I need to take up space because this is not okay. My body hurts being oh, constricted totally. like this. It is. It, it felt like a like those human, like a human corset, just, just Mm. contorting me into a way of being. And I didn't want it. 
And stepping out did not feel, it, I mean, it came with a lot of shame. It was lonely. It, it, it was all the things, listening to all those voices. And, and they're, they're, they're contradictory because one's saying, go back home. This is what you do. You don't do this. You're selfish. And the other is saying, you've got to go. You, have, you can't live like this. This is not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay for you, Bernadette. Mm-hmm. And so that sourcing of something deep within me that knew to just follow my true north. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's it. That, it, was, it was my own will. Yeah. And I do think it does. It's in my bloodline. I believe that. But I knew it was time to go. And I didn't know what it looked like. Yeah, which there's requires even more courage that you yeah. did the thing not knowing. Like it's not like you were stepping into, okay, you had this this next thing to step into is a complete death of everything that had been. And what I am hearing from you and know of your story too, it's that you're no longer willing to live dead. I can't right. Do it. Like you, it wasn't you. You was someone else's rules and regulations and restrictions. And you were like, no. So it's like, what did it take to have you the death of everything that you had been, everything yeah. that that life had been? And, and it wasn't easy. You lost. There was a lot of grief, a lot of pain. And here you are, this young woman who didn't have any tools to navigate all the emotions that now you're not wearing the corset. Right. And now it's like, and so like, yeah. what, what are those, what were those coping strategies like, you know, in your early twenties feeling all these things now? Yeah, I, I was feeling a lot. I was definitely feeling a lot and a lot of overwhelm. I mean, there was a nervous breakdown in there. There was an attempt at suicide. I want to, you know, I want to be real about this. Yeah, this yeah. Not a cape, you know, we did not just get in there and, you know, have smooth sailing. You know, I yeah. walked out of the house and it was great. No. It yeah. was really tough. There's, there was at, at that point, I was then 20, actually 27, because I've been married 10 years. Wow. 27 years old. And, and I'm stepping out into a world that I don't know. It, I just don't know it. It's, 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 it's without the congregation that you know, it's essentially, you know, being raised in a cult and you, you're out and, and it really feels raw and scary and Mm. the phone goes silent because when you're in groups like that, it's like all your friends need to be right here. So Mm. you lose them all if you step away. And so it was a really rough time. And, but the determination to do, to live by my own terms was stronger even if just by a, a few, you know, uh, degrees, it was stronger and shaky. And I was afraid. I, I just knew what I couldn't do. And mm-hmm. so I, I started to get help. I got help. I did things that I had never done before, went into therapy, started to share my story and talk about these things. And I was so grateful for every bit of that work. A lot of tears, a lot of, you know, finding things I could read um, to stay the course. Mm. Um, And when you say stay the course. Stay the course, meaning continue to move at, by my own knowing. Mm. Stay Mm -hmm. the course, uh, missing people who I would really love to be in relationship with and family and those and being alone 
and, and choosing me every day, yeah. choosing me every day. And the course was still not knowing where, but also knowing where I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And that was the course and, and trusting that I would find my way and my rhythm and all of that. And it took time. It took a lot of time because there was, there wasn't even a rebuilding. This was about finding out who I am now. There was, there was nothing to rebuild because I'd started so young. Mm. This was just an inner knowing that I could be what and who I want to be. It didn't feel like an opportunity at the time, but in hindsight, it was. It really was an opportunity for, for growth and creating what I desired and, yeah. and what I desired for me, the freedom yeah. I desired for this body. Yeah. And reconnecting and feeling into my body. What do I want? And some of the mistakes I made along the way getting there. I mean, we can talk about that. But, uh, you know, I think about, you know, the disconnect from my body. I have breast implants. I had these implants because I wanted to show up at my divorce with, with, with breast because he like boobs and I didn't have them before. And I was like, I'll show you, I'll do something to my body. You know, I just, these are the things that the missteps from along the way and how I became very disconnected having done that mm-hmm. and how I had to learn to love my breasts again and mm. love, learn to love this body and that this body is not going to be used as a tool to I'll show you to anybody. Yeah anymore but that's who I was then and I love that part of me because that was me trying to figure it out totally yeah it's like the pendulum swings and goes a little erratic and yes yeah I love that you mentioned the pendulum swing because when you're so stuck over here and what what you know and what you don't want to do and tendency is to say fuck it and then you swing over here yeah and neither one is balanced yeah and because this was a lot of working hard that hair that I talked about, yeah. I cut yeah. it all off. Tell me what to do with my hair. I'll, you know what I mean? Totally. Shave, I'll shave it. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and those were the things that I did in, it, it was a reaction yeah. to someone having control over me. And I, I was fine with that for years, but now I've decided I, I get to wear this the way I want to. Yeah. And what do I want? Yeah. I have to continually ask myself that. What does Bernadette want? Not who do I need to please or take care of or whatever. Well, who do I need? Why? Yeah. yeah. That is such an important question. And two things I want to speak to so we can track them together. One is what helped you experience emotional freedom. And there's also this the pendulum swing, and then how we find how you found listening to you and what you truly wanted as part of your emotional freedom. So can you just talk to that? Like for listeners who might be in a situation, whether it's wherever they're at at this point in their life, whatever that childhood conditioning journey has been, I just think about that when there's such this ingrained training to look outside of ourselves for directions, the way that kind of thing. And it can feel crazy making to be listening to the inner voice that's in such different to outside, just suggestions, wisdom, like what have you learned in that? What did it take to listen to you and then trust that? That pendulum swing, either end is imbalance. So when you, when, for me, when I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I want, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. I was all this doing. And in the doing, I wasn't listening. Mm. The, The only thing I could hear was fuck it. 
fuck it. Uh-huh. I'm not doing this. I'm doing, and it was always the exact opposite because uh, it's in reaction to. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I can't, I can't speak up. Give me a microphone. Give me a megaphone. I, I can't, you know, wear my shirt short, short, give me mini skirts. You know, yeah. it was, it was all the, I'll show you. I'll I'm on my own term. Yeah. But it's exhausting. It's exhausting and it's reactionary. So it's not even what I want necessarily. It's just I know it's it's the I'll show you. Yeah. So I go to the opposite extreme. Yeah. So what starts to happen, at least for me, is in over here, there there's a they are the object. So I am, it's still absorbing so much of my mental space because mm-hmm. every move I make is based on mm. that. Yeah. And after <sighs> a while and with time, because it did take time and it took, I, I talk about rest a lot. It took rest because over here in that pendulum, there's no rest. Mm. That, that, is, that is the doing, doing, doing. Yeah. And, and slowly when as I could move away from that, because I could see, oh, over here, I need a lot of things. I, For me, it was staying busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm talking imbalance of busy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so yeah. no no moment for rest mm-hmm. or stillness. Mm-hmm. Because that is how I could drown the over here. Yeah. And in drowning that, I was exhausting myself. Yeah. And it was expensive. I should say that. Shopping was one of your things, right? (laughs) Because shopping could help me drown out the thing. I had I had things that I liked and you know, I I want these things. And I mean, I went into this ridiculous amount of debt. And and then I'm sitting there looking with a you know, at a whole bunch of shoes from Neiman Marcus and short skirts (laughs) and, and and things, you know. And I thought, wait a minute. Do I even like these shoes? Mm. Do do I? Can I really? Was that a good thing to do for me, based on spending? Like, was that a smart choice? And you start to ask different questions or ask questions because everything mm. before was a in retaliation for mm. time loss, and and so I started to find out what what Bernadette likes. It, it was almost like everything starts to settle, like that snow globe yeah. uh, moving from it being still to just total shaking it up. Yeah, I, I it needed to settle, and in that settling, the settling was hard because the settling required that I stop being so busy. Mm-hmm. The settling required that I s- ask a question and sit and wait for the answer, and not do a knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. In fact, that I don't react, but I wait for the truth to emerge. And I was not that kind of patient with myself. And it took many, many years, but I could see the growth. I could see how over there I needed the TV running. I need something to do every night. Mm-hmm. I needed to mm-hmm. fill up all the space. And that's why it was expensive and more than yeah. one. Yeah. But as I started to slow down and realize, really look at what I was doing, what I was doing was I was trying to drown out the pain. Mm-hmm. I was trying to drown out the loneliness. Uh, in that slowing down, in that 
being present and that starting to actually tell my therapist truth instead of lies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I really started to do this work, getting out in nature, going for long, slow walks and doing these things, considering myself, it just impacted so many things. And I, it's, I, it's a work that continues. But in that, I started to ask, well, what do I need? And mm-hmm. what can I do? And what's mm-hmm. available to me? Mm-hmm. And so it started, the agitation of busy started to slow down into something that really started to ground and root me because I was not grounded. Mm-hmm. And in that, and, and that, that is, I don't know, I don't think you ever get to a place where that's not happening. And may it always continue. That the rooting. I continue, the rooting. The mm-hmm. rooting. The, the centering me in a way that isn't loud, but it's centering self because I value me. Yeah. I didn't need the megaphone to show how I valued me. Yeah. It was a great start though. Yeah. 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 It was part of the journey yeah. to get to here. And there's so much there, the richness, the depth and the rest and talk about yet another choice and path that we're conditioned against, you know, the busy, even all of that is conditioning. And I know that dance and emotions and learning how to be with those emotions and give them expression. That's such, that's part of the body of work that you've brought through the world with femme. It's the nature of the emotional Institute, having that emotional freedom experience expression. And it it may seem contradictory, right? There's the talking about the rest. And when I just hear you talk from that space, there's a calm. And, and I also know I've participated in some events with you where it's like, there's the wild expression of letting it all be there. And so can you just talk about the both and, and how dance became that doorway for you through the emotions? So many things, Fern. (laughs) I got it. I got this. I got this. No, thank you. (laughs) So dance. And and when we talk about dance, I want to speak to, I'm not talking about learning how to dance. This is what I'm talking about is emoting through your body with movement. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So if you are feeling like a storm, how does a storm move? Yes. How does anger and confidence and joy and surrender, grief, how does it all move and sound? What I noticed in that confined way of living was I lost my voice. There's Mm. no voice when you are being locked off. Mm -hmm. Your voice isn't appreciated. So you, 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 and you don't hear your voice enough. So you don't even like the sound of your voice. So there's just, it it is bland. It is dry. And it is, it's fairly lifeless. You're living rote. Over here, everything for me was loud because it was in direct opposition to that. So it was all of this. But here, which I'm grateful for, I will say, but here was performative. 
Mm. It was because it was in reaction to I uh-huh. am I am so I don't even know that it's me. It's just no and no in a big way, but not yeah. the why and not from a true place of feeling. So when I, the movement that I speak about and that I encourage is is the, the truth of one's body, the one the truth of one's soul. What's my yes and how that looks so different from Megan's yes or anyone else's yes, but yeah. your the essence of how you feel and allowing your body to evoke that. When our voices and our freedoms have been taken away from us, our life force energy shrivels in a way. And what I found through dance and movement and must add by using African drums, because mm. though the drums, which I use in my work often, the drums bring back life force. There is, people often say, I got lost in it. No, you got found. Yes. You got found because yes. Yes. when we can stop overriding ourselves, because you know, that imprisonment mm-hmm. that existed from conditioning or whatever, we, 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 we got that message. Yeah. So we can do that very thing to ourselves. Oh, that's too much. That's too loud. My joy is too whatever not allowing for it to just be there. And when you do, how beautifully the body can move and express. And and I'm not talking about just dancing. I'm talking about allowing your smile to dance, allowing your eyes to dance, allowing your voice to come out in absolute movement. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And and saying this here, this this life here is mine and I get to determine how I'm going to move each day, how I'm going to inspire myself to continue to check in with me, but also how I'm going to be the example for others of what's possible. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of movement yeah. and, and, the, and the show of life force energy, yeah. but it's in, a, in an authentic way, not in reaction to something, but just because you can, and it feels really honest. Yeah. Oh, yes. More than Honest. good. Honest. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Oh. There, it's like water. It's it's like the most refreshing water. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it makes me emotional to think of it. And when I see people get that in their movement, they're often moved to water because it's it. It, it can stir the water that lives in you because it's so real. Yes, yes, and the tears, and I, yeah, just the the nonverbals that listeners might. Yeah. Yes, the tears, the release, all that's been held up is getting to be moved. That moves through us, and it reminds me of that desert rose you shared with me. Bernadette oh. shared this plant with me before we started recording. Do you want to tell just briefly about this desert rose? What it? Oh my gosh. Like it's, the difference before and after water. I have one. I have it right here. I love sharing this. This is a plant. If, if for those who may not be familiar with it, it's new to me. It's called a desert rose, and it, it, it's this dried. It, it really looks like tumbleweed, in all yeah. honesty, and yeah. all tight, all, all squeezed tight. in. Yeah. And I think of this as you know, like life, and how this same plant 
when you sit it in water, how it starts to open up and have color. This is the same plant, oh. how that dry thing comes to life. And it goes from this brown, uh, dusty, <laughs> uh, brittle thing to it's, it's, it, it comes alive. It opens up. It, it goes from this gnarled ball to this thing that just expands wide and takes up space. And, and it's, it's, blows me away every day when I look at it. I keep them on my altar and around the house because I love seeing the possibility. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like watching hope move. <laughs> it's like, and watching possibility and, and resurrection from, from having, you know, we're not, we can feel disconnected and cut off. And like we're walking around numb yeah. and lifeless. Yeah. But when there's a desire to sit, be nourished, allow yourself to rest in something to see what becomes possible over and over again. And you have to be still to do it. You have to get nourished to do it. And to watch this thing come to life, it lets me know every single day what's possible in some big or small way there's something here to rejoice about and and i i want to always be resourced in a way that i get that deep nourishment and i want to put myself in environments where that will and can happen and that from surrounding myself with like-minded vibrant people iron sharpening my iron (laughs) and 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 having rich deep conversation and sticking to the truth that lives in me whatever that is and slowing down enough to listen and get it and not be reactionary yeah oh i i love this i love the visual of this desert rose this plant the green the hues all the different there's so much life there's so much fertility. There's so much available in there. And I just, you know, knowing you and your body of work for those who are getting to know burn here. Now she has this body of work called femme that is movement. And I know you train teachers in this too. And it's like this learning how to be with our bodies in that honest way, in that expression, whether it's quiet, whether it's whatever the many different emotions, grief, anger, rage, sadness. And it's like the, all the different colors of that green, all the different colors of the life. And it's like, I know in the beginning, it can seem really scary or daunting. I know you've talked about this and written about like in the beginning with grief, like you were afraid to go into your grief. You felt like you would drown. Like it was terrifying. And just curious, can you just share with listeners, like in case they're on the edge of their own opening up as that desert rose plant or their own edge of grief or whatever it might be, wisdom from your own experiences? Grief is scary to go towards. It really is. We can, I, I didn't, I'd never seen an example, just like many people. I haven't seen an example of someone Uh, grieving in a healthy way. Like, what does that even mean? I was grieving detachment from family. I was grieving not being treated well. Um, 
there are just so many nuances to grief. And I am so grateful to have learned the work of Sobamfu and Melodoma Somme in that learning to understand and appreciate grief, knowing that making time for it is absolutely essential and so rewarding rather than trying to continue on and forge ahead with whatever we're grieving, not just the loss of a loved one, that's a huge grief, or a pet, or or a job, but there's just so many ways we grieve. It's not just that kind of thing, that there are three ingredients to grieving, and that is loss, change, and disappointment. Mm. And when you understand grief, when you come to appreciate that grief really just shows us what mattered to us yeah, and that our hearts will heal. We may not forget what we're grieving, but our relationship to the grief changes over time, but not if we override it. It doesn't mean we won't be sad anymore. It just means we allow ourselves to grieve. And that is a very healthy and kind thing to do to our, for our hearts to slow down enough, jump off that, that highway and to acknowledge grief and to ask, what is, what does it need? What do I need here? Yeah. yeah. What do I need here? And to feel and value yourself and your experience enough to say, Oh, I need someone I trust just sit here with me. Maybe I need a hug. Maybe I need to cry or write about this thing. Maybe there's something that needs to be said. Maybe I just need to rest. Whatever it is to really just pour into yourself for as long as needed mm-hmm. and to carve out that time and, and to really cradle yourself gently rocking this time. And when I say rocking, I mean rocking like you would a baby Yeah, that's resting. Just whatever you need, I will be the voice. I will will create that. Grief isn't something we get over, but we certainly go through it in order to get to the other side. And it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm not fine. And to say, I I need the time and space for this. I need to do less right now. I don't want to bury this feeling because you only bury it alive. Yeah. And so yeah. to take out the time and and so many don't know how I didn't know how I'm so grateful for having learned to and to now hold these grief rituals for people either yeah. privately or in group setting but but to be there with someone as they move through this really challenging time that is the gateway to more mm-hmm. it really is the gateway to more love life richness but we do have to go through it and it helps us to appreciate what's on the other side grief teaches us appreciation for what yeah. was and for what matters yeah and matters to us yeah oh I'm so profoundly touched right now reflecting on, we started this conversation with 
talking about the restrictions growing up in this household, in this religion, in this community, where it was like, this is the way you do it. This is not the way you do it. And you're wrong if you don't do it the right way, right? There's that restriction. There was a feeling of like living, not you, like half dead. And I know with grief, when it's just not expressed, when it's just hanging out in us as this energy that we're, you know, terrified, pushing away or trying to suppress or whatever, it's also creating this sense of not fully living. And yet we think there's this misunderstanding of grief. I feel like in our culture where it's the feeling of like, well, I should be over it by now. I shouldn't be grieving. I should be living. And yet for me and my own experiences of grief with my sister died when she was 30, I was 28. My mom died in 2016 and their deaths were catalysts for deep grief, nothing like I'd ever experienced before. And yet that grief opened me to living even more fully. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't, you know, five steps to, you know, be living more fully. It was, it was intense and it was a journey. And yet it was that willingness to come undone and let grief show me what it knows about living and appreciation and love and these relationships. And it was like, holy, there's a whole world available to me in these textures of grief that by being willing to surrender into them, they could show themselves to me, the Mm -hmm. gifts in it. So I just so honor you for your commitment to your own grief work, emotions, the emotional tours, the emotional Institute, femme, all of it. And I just, there's so few places in our world where we can express our emotions and especially grief and community. And so for listeners just want you to know that burn is one of those people and places and safe spaces where, you know, whether it's a grief ritual where you'd like to participate in that in person or virtually or a femme experience where she guides you on an emotional tour. It's like, imagine having, like, you don't have to imagine you can experience where she's like the tour guide facilitating an experience with emotions, yourself, your body, your all in a way that can feel safer. Just like when I go out into the ocean, when I have a a friend, a teacher, an ally parallel with me, I feel braver to go in deeper because I'm not alone. And so I just want to encourage you if you're listening and you're feeling called to explore some of these depths and have felt ambivalent or uncertain or excited or whatever it is, Burn is an amazing ally to have in these journeys. Oh, yes. It does take courage. It takes courage. It takes courage to go there. But we live a half-assed life without going there. Yeah. And we, we, we get to choose. And sometimes that choice needs, hey, help, hold my hand. And what a great thing to say. I need help. Totally. What a great gift to give to yourself to say, hey, this here, those deep waters, I don't know. I don't, and I get it. I hear it all the time. People are afraid to go there. But when you are not alone and get to go and explore what is on your heart, really on your heart. What's the truth of what's there? Yeah. Whatever you're grieving, 
you're grieving who you were before that incident or or circumstance presented who you were in it and who you are after because you're changed yeah so it's a whole journey it's not just this happened it's it's changed who you were before and where you what you planned or desired it's it's a beautiful thing i think of jamie anderson's quote when she says grief is love with nowhere to go that quote just makes me just oh. it, it cradles the heart with so much understanding and compassion and to be able to channel that once grief not right away we don't go right into what you can do with that love is put it here it's, it's not plug and play we have to clean that out and then you get to move forward just as you mentioned with the lessons and you are different having grief you yes. get to communicate, express yourself, be with other people and yourself differently as a result of that, more heart-centered usually, yeah. with more understanding because of the vulnerability that grief brings you. Yes, yes. It's not something anybody wants, but because we live, we experience it. And so it is my desire to do it in a way that really support, deeply supports people in having their feelings and voice and movement around yes. and they're yes. really considering the whole being. Yes. Oh, I'm just so, okay. The words that are coming through me right now is I'm hearing all of this. And as we're wrapping up, it's like, I'm grateful for you, Vernon, how you are this embodiment of a permission slip mm. to people to find their voice to trust and listen to their bodies and that sense of knowing that something more is possible for them in their lives beyond the rule books and the conditioning and permission to feel Mm. and be and ask for help and ask different questions. What do I need? What's available to me? What do I want? And allow those emotions and the grief to be those doorways into the more, the creativity, the joy, the bliss, the, the, all of it. And it's all welcome. So thank you for being that embodiment of permission. Thank you. Yeah. I have one last question for you before we go. And that is since this series is dedicated to brave women, brave living. I'm wondering what is one, I know there may be many, but is there one specific brave woman in your world that has really inspired you in your journey? There are two. (laughs) My daughter, Mm -hmm. that badass. Oh my gosh. Her stand for herself, her willingness to stand in her truth, and to learn from others' experiences and stand how she has stood for herself and how she has stood along with her husband for my three grandsons. When I see my grandsons, how they move in the world because they have parents that believe in them and challenge them, and really care and want to hear their voices and their opinions, the freedom in their bodies 
the way I, I watch their bodies because the body tells all. Yeah. People can yeah. say grandiose things, but their bodies can look locked down. Yeah. But I see the freedom in their bodies. And I think for, for three young black men to have such support and some in parents who are championing them yeah. and to have a strong mother and for her like I, I just love how she has stood for them and as a result of that the way they show up mm. so fully doing living their best lives and it, it just I, I think strong women really make way for strong men. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Or strong mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just so appreciate that. And and the other is going to be my partner, Andrea Vini. That one, the way she transmutes challenge because of her tenacity and willingness to just keep showing up and to surrender when she needs to, but come back. Mm-hmm. The ability to to reinvent, to have the the deep belief that comes from some invisible power to resurrect oneself. It's not that we don't get knocked down, but to have the ability to, like that desert rose, but to seek nourishment and to come back. Mm. That there and to, to come back with with lessons learned and to implement them so that you do better each time and just Mm. believe in self so much that you come back and that you don't see things as mistakes or or failures but lessons so that you can come back better that there that that that's yeah those two yeah those two powerful Powerful, brave women. Thank you for sharing them with us. And I have a feeling there might be a part two of our conversation. I I know there's other themes that we talked about talking about that we didn't get to. And yet this has been so full and rich. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bern, for sharing you with me, with us. And I just, mm, any, anything last coming through you wanting to be shared before we Megan I first of all it's an easy yes and I agree there's so many places that I'd love to go with you and 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 just in this richness of conversation I want to thank you for I I do lots of podcasts and what's important to me as I become choosing them is rich depth smart useful mm. And, and that there's medicine in there. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in this space, sharpening one another and, and the, the vulnerability that we can go to, which I know the more vulnerable we get, I get, the more universal the message is. So yeah. thank you for the opportunity to, to spread like a desert rose here. Oh, <laughs> my total, total honor and pleasure. And thank you. And there is so much medicine in our stories, our depths, our vulnerability, and deep, deep nourishment. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure.
And thank you listeners for being with us today. So, so very grateful for you. And that's a wrap. Or is it? If you're like me and you want to continue these conversations, come on over and join the free Brave Women, Brave Living Facebook group where we're having conversations that cultivate courage. And before you go, I have a request and a reminder. If you'd be willing to share this episode with the women in your world, subscribe and leave a five-star review, that will help me reach more women with this message of brave living. I have a sense they'll thank you and I thank you too. Now for the reminder, brave living is not about being fearless. It's about noticing the fear, summoning your courage and doing the thing anyway. (gasps) Yes, you're amazing. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you in the Facebook group on the next episode. And until then, be brave, be wild, and have so much fun being the magic that is you. Mwah!